and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here with Gordon Webster. How are you, Gordon? I'm good, Mr. Barry. How are you? Oh, uh, yeah. Did you like my radio big voice there as I entered into this yeah. podcast? Uh, yeah, we are here for a very special Bond Daft episode. That's our new name, by the way, for the Bond series of uh, film reviews we're doing in podcast fashion. Uh, I'll give you credit, Gordon, for the name. Thanks. Uh, we came up with a, a bunch of different options, and uh, Bond Daft was the best. But before we go into that, today we're going to be talking about music and Bond, uh, the different themes over the course. So that we're not going to be talking about specific films as such, but more those initial uh, the theme songs. So the- a spin-off, if you like, from the yeah the now the now. As it's now known, the Bond Daft podcast, and so it's just myself and Mister Barry this time. Yeah, we've uh, we've lost two of our crew. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit. They've been dark. We've lost uh, two of them. They're uh, killed in action. Uh, we'll be replaced, of course. Uh, I've already. I've, I'm interviewing a replacement. For You're like Blofeld. You just kill people off. On, oh yes. On the way for not cutting it everyone is expendable gordon even yourself in fact right now as i'm looking at you there's a red dot appearing on your forehead <laughs> um so yes uh we'll be interviewing for 006s and 005s positions i don't know if i want to continue <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you you knew the gig you knew this <laughs> i just, I just didn't realize you were so ruthless honestly yeah. uh well now you know so uh yeah like we're like i said we're going to be doing um a, a sort of special uh a sort of special episode on the music of the bond films we're going to actually listen off air to the bond themes of the films and then come back and just give very bite-sized sort of summary reviews of the songs the main themes um and maybe with a ranking at the end of our favorites we're thinking of doing that so well before before we get into that we mentioned the names we were talking about that that we came yeah. up with for so different... we came up with something eventually didn't we it took it took a long time but we got there yep and we'll we share with uh, yeah you've got the list the there of, of our five listeners how much is there? let's uh peel back the curtain to see how this uh operation's coming together so some of the names we came up with we've got podcasts are forever mm, very bond uh, yeah yeah the, there was one or two there was clashes there was real life podcasts so I, I did think of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast I think when you I'll add probably in probably have a, a libel action now just for mentioning <laughs> that but uh, yeah I mean is it libel in Scotland? yeah well effie. you'll be more the expert on that than me um, probably just be copyright I suppose but um, also I think when you put podcast you can use any Bond title and probably just put podcast in there and you could have all sorts of funny yeah you know there was um this Thund- was a Thunder simple... Podcast doesn't quite work though. <laughs> Thundercast, <laughs> no, maybe. We had um It loses the bondness of it really. The the never ending bond review. Mm. We had I'm just going through the list to find them. Bonded Capiche, by... the Bond edition. Right. Capiche yeah. the Bond Review. Podcasts are forever. There's one or two others. We'll see if I can find them. Bonded by Bond. Bonded by Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be taken another way. Yeah, <laughs> so Depend, much more adult podcast. Bondage maybe. with I don't know. Bondage Jeez. with Bond. This is no, is now it... you're yeah, dark. <laughs> I thought we were here to just talk about James Bond. 
Uh, I'm sorry. I'm getting warm in here, you know. <laughs> it's warm. <laughs> yeah. We're, well, let's... Uh, Let's give a let's peel back the curtain even more. We're currently in a hotel, aren't we, Gordon? We're on Me, the road. We're on the road. We're in Glenrothes, Fife, Scotland. Yep, for a wedding of Double uh, Six. Steve, that is, I think. I don't know. We're gonna listen to that first one and realise he's not Double Six. Yeah. But uh, Steve, who was previously on the podcast, is getting married. I'm sure he's fine. He he's happy to have us say that. And congratulations, uh, <laughs> Steve, on the uh, Capiche podcast official congratulations for yourself yeah so congratulations steve yep so yeah we're doing this the two of us in a hot stuffy hotel room travel lodge uh other hotel chains are available uh yeah so that was that was the the pod the capiche machine rolls on it doesn't matter where we are so i said we're on the road and it's giving us an extra different kind of vibe and we just thought we'd do something different didn't we you know talk about the music it doesn't always have to be film reviews we can talk about there's a lot of elements that make bond bond and i think everyone even if you're just a a casual layman fan you know the bond the james bond theme the official james bond theme and the the action everything that happens in the movies although you might take just be taken in subconsciously the music is a great impact and that's to me, that's part of what makes Bond what it is. Oh, certainly, certainly. You mentioned about how the music can really... I mean, I think that for, well, anything from a film point of view and even games, I always pick up on the music if it, something comes out to me like it's something... In games especially, it's very memorable. Absolutely. You listen to it repeatedly and it becomes ingrained and you just want to listen to it more and more outside of the game. Films can be the same. Now, a lot of the time, film soundtracks can be... They can be functionary. So a yeah, horror theme totally, yeah. is never going to be that memorable because all they're really meant to do is just actually sort of bring that sort of screeching violins or whatever, you know, string sound just to get the, the fear going. It's not meant to be catchy and memorable. Yeah. Or so, they, it can even work the opposite way. It can be off-putting. It has to be suitable for the scene. Yeah, exactly. But the Bond themes, they became the thing, wasn't it? So it was like a number of events that made a Bond film you had the announcement of who the Bond girl would be, the Bond villain, the, you know, the gadgets in the in the films, and the Bond, whoever was going to become, you know, the Bond theme singer. So we, just to let you know, we have listened to, we're going to kind of try and go through the the majority of the Bond films, the, the, the sort of, we've broken it up into about four different eras, really. Um, the Connery slash Lazenby era, uh, seven films there. We've listened to those films right before pressing record. Uh, and we're kind of then going to kind of go into a little, you know, summary review of each of those. Then we'll come back, we'll stop and then listen to the Moore films as well and then do the, the Brosnan and Dalton era and then finally with the four Daniel Craig films. So it's the four eras. We'll kind of judge on the, uh, the, the musical theme. We're not probably going to talk about the actual soundtracks of the film as much. I mean, certainly for my, I can only speak for myself, but... I mean, I'm listening to a lot of these themes. It almost feels like for the first time because it's been so long. So I can't even talk about the, you know, I can listen on YouTube to the theme and then kind of give my thoughts on it. But and some of them are obviously at Goldfinger as soon as I hear that first note. Oh, yeah, I know Goldfinger. The other ones are, I still find like, you know, I'm not going to remember it. And so the actual soundtracks, they're, they're yeah. 
the scores. We'll talk about them probably in the actual review of the films more. Um, but yeah, so I suppose we should just go into those seven we've listened to then. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So we, we've previously done the first podcast, Gordon, obviously, when we spoke about Doctor No, and now that, obviously being the first one, didn't have as much of a... I mean, the Bond theme, the famous Bond theme that we know was the theme for that film. That was the original theme, wasn't yeah. it? It, it didn't have, like, the famous singer coming in and doing their own theme mm-hmm. for the film type thing that, say, Tom Jones and things like that did for the later films. The James Bond films, Steve, they have a lot of very unique things, like the, the actual title sequences itself with all the images when the main songs played, things like that. A lot of things really evolved. And the actual having a theme song sung by uh, whoever was generally a very popular, you know, like chart-hitting artist at the time, that evolved from probably Goldfinger onwards. Mm-hmm. So I think the Dr. No started off with just the James Bond theme by John Barry and his orchestra. And I think it just evolved into actually getting just popular artists at the time, which maybe opened that was part of the reason. Not only with Goldfinger did did Bond appeal to a wider audience because of the, the actual subject matter, but also the just, you know, using a popular artist. But we'll get to Goldfinger, so I know I'm going off on a tangent no, no, again. I mean, you're right, though. Your Goldfinger, like we said at the last time, to me, Goldfinger set up, that was the, the big template for what every film afterwards would do. As much yeah. as Doctor No introduced certain things, yeah. to me it's Goldfinger. That's like the real starting point. Yeah. And that is one of those things, the sort of big theme, the big memorable theme. And and yeah, it took off from there. It became the event, who's gonna be the next singer for the Bond theme. So we'll start with we'll start with Doctor No. But obviously the main theme. Well, there's not much more. To, is there much more to say on well, that? What I was going to say, Steve, was just about how the James Bond theme came about. It was originally written. This was kind of up for debate. The version we all know and love was by John Bay and his orchestra. And but apparently there was this guy Monty Norman who actually wrote the song. It was a dispute. He was also uh, a guy who who wrote film scores. And this was a leftover little thing in the side called I think it was called Good Sign Bad Sign. Wow. And he adapted it into the James Bond theme. But John Barry kind of took all the credit for it. It's widely believed John Barry. He had the first proper full version performed this full orchestra, and that's the Bond theme that it was it was used in you know like all the Connery films and and on Imagine Secret Service as well. It was just just very unique sounding. It it captured uh, this kind of spy theme quality. If you think of the nineteen sixties and some of the other films about then TV series involving you know spies. It, it fitted uh, that kind of vibe to I think. It was just something very unique. And and what I love as well is it's dotted throughout the film, like all, all that, the yeah. on theme songs, not only do you hear the song at the very start, but it's dotted throughout the film. Yeah. yeah. And it almost feels like it's bringing up, when any, of those, when any kind of moment of tension is happening, that's like you can hear it sort of rumbling in the background and then it picks yeah. up when, say, an action scene's about to really take off. And I just love that sort of like because it's that first view, boom, dun, 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 yeah. and it kind of builds and builds and builds that. Um, I love it. I love that theme, and that was a, such a smart theme. And to, to think it was someone's sort of like throwaway 
piece it of was, music. It was, throw away. Yeah, that's amazing. It's Can you imagine still, that? Think how big it is to this day and getting used in the Daniel Craig films. Not often enough, in, in my opinion. Hmm. But it's become... It was, a, it was a little throwaway piece of garbage and it, you know, became... Well, it's Something quite big. It's a genius to then find a use for it and and then tailor it to the, the Bond theme. And that's that's you know, I mean, it's it's tremendous. And you hear that, you know, it's Bond. It's it's it's, it's unquestionable. Um, Even James Bond in the Game Boy, the best <laughs> version. <of> the, <laughs> the reason we're, we're <laughs> Gordon and myself were talking in the pub earlier today as we stuffed our faces in the uh, Witherspoons. Um, we were talking about the golden games. At least we games. stayed off the desserts. Mm, that was close. I nearly ordered that chocolate fudge cake. Yeah. You know what? Do you think they're still open? Yeah, I can see, I just knew from the look <laughs> you gave me there that you're, you're still actually considering. Yeah, I've not been listening to a word you said. I've been thinking of chocolate fudge cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Hey, let's, let's get Steve's mind back on the yeah, podcast. Right. Um, yeah. The doctor, no, I mean, that's... Well, what, what were you mentioned the Game Boy game. We're talking about the games, right? And Goldeneye, this is now, I know I've mentioned this. Any podcast I got a chance, I mentioned Goldeneye. The game used that theme really effectively. Every level had yeah. a variation on the theme. Yeah. And because it's so effective, it's so good. Yeah. But yeah, so Dr. No, uh, I don't know, a classic uh, introduction to Bond with the Bond theme and then dotted around. So then the follow-up film from Russia with Love. Now we're going to hopefully schedule a podcast to review this film it's very soon. warmer, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. Uh, I know you're our Capiche listener, not plural, is uh, looking forward oh, to... I thought it was five or six. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's probably me. It's us, I think really. we've got a mystery listener somewhere. Maybe, maybe. Um, but our listener is desperate to hear our thoughts on From Russia With Love. Um, aren't you, Mum? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully get into that, but... We listened to that just there. Now, that's kind of a an interesting theme, isn't it? In the sense that it doesn't have... It's not really... A, it's no singing, isn't there? It's not like a... It's an instrumental, isn't it? Yeah. People, different people with maybe different ideas of the From Rush With Love song that springs to mind, but the, the on the title sequence at the start, it's an instrumental version which I think is great and it, it is the it goes full on Bond theme like the last third I, of that which yeah, I love we that. both agreed we listened mm. and thought that I, I love that <laughs> it's that cold no um, Cold War well, kind of Soviet theme mm-hmm. to it which obviously it's a lot of that film's about Russia it fits the vibe yeah totally. exactly the gong sound and things like that yeah. I always associate with I don't know if that was in that theme but we were talking about earlier Goldeneye that gong always makes me kind of think of it see but, here's another thing steve I f- for me like a great bond um title song it really fits the vibe of the film so we were talking about goldeneye as well the kind of soviet um sort of cold war image and i was thinking we'll get onto it you only have twice i had a sort of japanese feel to it which fitted the vibe of the film uh, Thunderball, this can underwater. I don't know. Um, it has to fit the vibe of mm. the film somehow. Well, yeah. So and I think that one does really well. Although yeah, it could be really. That's why you have um songs that were submitted for these films that didn't quite make it because they they maybe just didn't fit in with the 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 theme of the film. It couldn't be too distant. You couldn't 
I'm just trying to think of examples, you know. You couldn't have something really light-hearted. You couldn't have, you have a death metal of... one, I don't think, could you? Yeah, yeah, they are really Goldfinger! Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd love to hear it, but uh, I don't think it would fit the film. Yeah. Um, maybe not. No. And possibly. Maybe a ska version or yeah. something. Yeah, uh, it's got to, it's got to fit in with the the vibe of the film. I was just trying to think of a good example, you know. Well, I mean, but, like so, Goldfinger. Then that's the big, yeah. the, you know, the one with that was uh, was that John Barry then, and then Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassey. I think I think he maybe helped write it. And ju- just in case anyone's unfamiliar with the John Barry, your namesake, <laughs> mm. you might be related. Don't think I don't think so, but yeah, let's go. He, for um, it. he was. John Bay and his orchestra were responsible for the score for the pretty much the majority of Bond films from Doctor No right up to Living Daylights. And, you know, just the songs throughout the film, you know, fitted around all the action sequences. And he was, I think he was involved in the writing of a lot of the, the earlier ones mm-hmm. as well. I think Goldfinger's maybe one of them, but it's all about Shirley Bassey, that song. Yeah, and I didn't realise she'd sang, what, three different Bond themes? I mean that yeah. is incredible, and I listening to Goldfinger. I mean that that's up there, one of the best. I think her voice yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, the that is the epitome. I said it to you of what makes that. Other than the, obviously we spoke about Doctor No and the classic Bond theme. That to me, those big strings make that the Bond sound. It's, that's yeah. just that's the, it's the big announcement of here is a this is the, yeah, you're here for it's, Bond. It's big. Yeah. Like the film, it introduced, you know, gadgetry to mm-hmm. the extreme. It was um, in some ways quite a Kind of a empowering. film. It wasn't, they didn't overcomplicate it. They made it appeal to a wider audience, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a real kind of swinging 60s song. Mm-hmm. Doctor Known from Russia with Love. Sorry, I almost knocked my microphone down to knock my teeth out. In the, um, see, um, Doctor Known from Russia with Love, you know, they had maybe more of a kind of 1950s feel rather than early 60s when they were Aye. made, but I think Goldfinger was the first of the sort of big really, swing 60s. To really kind of embrace the 60s. Yeah, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of strings, there's a lot of like cymbal tapping with the drums kind of throughout the film, which the soundtrack by the way is just great throughout, a lot of um, kind of, I think it's big steel drums mm-hmm. and um, a lot of, a lot of uh, wind instruments, a lot of you know, sort of trumpets and horns, which they became again a staple of not only the title songs, but the you know the 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 scores. Yeah, the out. horns. That's what it is. That sound at the yeah. beginning. That that's that's. I think it's a bit maybe quite a bit quite Renee and flute. And, I maybe think more of you only live twice. Mm. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of um. And Shirley, you know, yeah, like Shirley Bassey's voice as well, like just absolutely bell now. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's such such a powerful voice mm-hmm. and part of the reason they got her back for a couple of later ones so she did what did she do after the that power in that voice it just it's like she could just go on forever yeah yeah what so what other ones did she do we'll come up back to them if they're not in the the sort of connery yeah. era she did uh she did diamonds are forever diamonds are forever okay so we'll, we'll talk about Moonraker that later. and moonraker then um so was that who what was next was it thunderball was fourth Big. Tom Tom Jones. This is the Tom sort Jones. of. Well, I suppose would you count Shirley Bassey was probably a bit. Was she a big celebrity then? Was she like a? I'm not sure. Maybe that. So was I'm not what sure. Kind of brought her to people's attention. Yeah. So I'm not sure quite the She's, order of things there. If Tom Jones was the first 
big name or did that make him i'm not this is where i, I mean my lack of insight in this comes yeah, in that might have been an early hit for for tom jones i reckon and when i first heard it, I, I think i mentioned two years earlier it, it didn't instantly sound like tom jones to me maybe because he was a bit younger and maybe he could sing a bit higher he sings so high See he, that did, last he did note? sound higher yeah apparently mm. he passed out in the recording studio <laughs> when when he was singing that long high note at the end bloody hell that's that's pretty insane and that again credit to John Barry because he co-wrote this song a lot of this I know he's not the guy performing but you know he helped write these songs and they're they're just such a big part of the Bond universe mm. yeah yeah uh, and I think they add so much to this t- I mean it's coupled with the title themes which I've not really spoken much about you know not the title theme sorry the, the well the, like the animation the titles the title sequence the title sequence the yeah the animation stuff like that um, usually you can associate them when you think of one or that you think of the other exactly. sometimes uh, it's a very unique thing I think I, I've not seen many films certainly at the time you you just have um, you know images you know sequences would start in a film and that, that's the film and you would get obviously the directed by produced by the actors there wouldn't be this kind of song and all this animation I think and so yeah. like, you know kind of half naked lady fire <laughs> guns water guns slowly reaching fire. out fire the logo 007 yeah. these became constants it was a guy called Morris Binder who again he was a long time um, crew member who he came up with the original idea of that and he came up with the idea of the gun barrel which is another probably another thing we should highlight obviously the gun barrels as they go along with the tune evolves mm. and Goldfinger's got a belter of a gun barrel at the start of it which is again it's just a unique feature kind of what makes Bond Bond and what sets it apart from other films what do you mean do you mean the bit when he walks up to camera and shoots the gun yeah Aye. yeah yeah, so it's meant to be. It's meant to be an image. Imagine you're looking down the barrel of a gun, Aye. and there's this guy walking up, walks up, shoots you. So the guy is getting shot with Bond, and you see the blood the dripping blood, yeah. down. And uh, it's just for me. It's just uh, for most. Of, there's certain ones. It's like that's that hairs in the back of the neck job. Just just seeing seeing the gun barrel at the start of the film. Goldfinger's one of these ones that you know the, the symbol tapping. There's something just I don't know. It just gets me. I thought obviously with the actual anime like. Sean Connery's ones are the same for every film. No, do they change well, them? No, up? no. I mean, the I think for every, just the music for every see if you watch actually every the the gun battle sequence at the start of every Bond film's different. There's always a slight variation, the color, the the actual um, you know instruments used, and then uh, as we high, I'm pretty sure we highlighted this in the Doctor No cast. The the first three films it wasn't actually Connery that was the, the oh, guy right, firing yeah. the gun it was Bob Simmons the stuntman so Thunderball you get that you get you be, you get big Tom Jones kicking in and you get all these really cool underwater mm-hmm. um, images which yep. and the way the what the the it comes up with like James Bond 007, um and then of say Sean Connery and then of the names of all the actors and I always loved how. I, I mean, I've probably told you about how I hold some, like, certain of the early actors really dear to my heart. Like, Bernard Lee as M. I wouldn't just say Bernard Lee, it said Bernard Lee as, as M, M. Oh, which yeah. I really love. Yeah. Lois Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, special significance thing. to those characters, isn't it? So then is it You Only Live Twice? Is that the fifth one? You Only Live Twice was Nancy Sinatra. Now, we listened to this one, one and I wasn't quite blown away by this one. I, what I liked about it was... The, and this is because of Robbie Williams's 
used it so much years later with the song with I think it was Nicole Kidman or whoever. Um, but the little the very opening bars are quite catchy and things like that. But the actual song I didn't find very interesting. I didn't. Well, how, do you, how do you feel about Robbie Williams' version? It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's a better Bond theme, but just that it was hearing those little notes. I was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's quite catchy." I like that. But then as the song kicked in, you only have twice, and I didn't find it. I think when you've heard Shirley Bassey, it's hard to, you know, hard to appreciate. Then she's not. She's certainly natural. no um, Shirley Bassey in terms of vocal power. No, no, and then it doesn't have to be, but. Yeah, it was. You know what? It's a first time listen because essentially, I I can't even remember if I've seen the film. It's a film that I barely remember. It a lot of that film is mm-hmm. kind of forgettable for mm-hmm. me. Um, so if I have seen it, so that's yeah, it didn't really do much for me. That's the only one out of the original, say, seven we've listened to. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? You I mean you you must obviously you have a higher opinion of it than me. It's generally one of my more favourite title songs. <laughs> all right, okay. Obviously. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Like, if you want to fight, like, just, <laughs> just come on. <laughs> like, man, it, it's fine. You Only Live Twice. I like, there's a, there's a kind of Japanese vibe to that song. Mm. The instruments used, there's a bit of flutes. And the it gun was... battle as well, the stars get, get a more of a kind of bassy, I think it was a bit softer, you know, something a bit softer, maybe about it. It's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because it was um, Goldfinger and Thunderball. They weren't, they weren't quite rock and roll. The, the theme there was more kind of rock and roll songs there, but with the big band, you know, big kind of hard hitting, mm-hmm. very memorable songs. It was a bit lighter, and it fits. Like I said, the the, so the maybe song it has to fit the vibe of the film, and and see dotted throughout. You only live twice. Most of the film's set in Japan, and there's a lot of kind of Oriental sounding music. Bond's drinking sake. Bond's hanging around in the the big like jacuzzi with all these Japanese. Right. So it completely girls. fits the tone of the film. Then that makes sense. Yeah, you need something different. Bond. We've got underwater Bond. We've got we've got big band Bond with the string with the horns and that with yeah the classic I mean in terms sounds. of like what Bond's doing like it was good to see Bond well, Russian, going to a different yeah, like part the of Soviet, the country and yeah. there's a line in the film um, his ally Henderson says I don't think you've ever been to Japan or something like that so it was the first time Bond actually went to Japan which surprised me but it's good to see how Bond fits into that mm-hmm. environment you know mm-hmm. okay all right, uh, we've got two more from the Connery slash Lazenby eater. Uh, Diamonds are forever. Is that f- first? Would you say? Or I think it... Majesty's is first, but oh yeah, okay. Um, of course, we'll do. Um, it. So Sean came back for for Diamonds, but we'll do on Her Majesty's then from a chronological point of view. We'll, yeah. we'll touch on that. Uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on this one? Because I now I'm struggling to remember it. Who was, I mean, it's an instrumental. Did, is this an instrumental aspect? It's got very much the spy music feel. Remember, I, I mentioned there's there's a few spy films and series that were coming out in the 60s, like Roger Moore starred in The Saint. Um, he then was in a series called The Persuaders, which made him quite famous. There was The Ipcris File. I oh, think, yeah, with, I've seen that. Um, Michael, Michael Caine. Caine. The spy films and series were, they were, start, they were starting to be a bit of a... Um, knock-on effect from Bond and uh, that very much a spy music feel and again it's dotted throughout the film 
and it fits the kind of fad. There's a lot of fast action in that film. And when we talk about the title, Steve, what I like is so there's the usual kind of colourful artwork, um, a bit of um, you know naked girls and all this stuff. There's a, there's the image of a martini glass, and there's a kind of watery. It's like uh, it's showing you, which I think is really cool. Images from the not images, but like video images of the previous, the first five Bond films. It shows you Doctor No. It shows you Honey coming mm-hmm. out of the water or something like that. It shows you Goldfinger. So it shows. I love the continuity. I've always talked about continuity Bond. So although George Lazenby was stepping into the the acting role for Bond. And um, it shows it's the same guy, and these were his previous missions, and it's culminating in this. That's quite smart, actually, because I suppose for some audiences, this is the first time they've changed actor. Some people wouldn't have taken that seriously. And I think, Steve, as well, you need to embrace that. Mm-hmm. See, I like it in, in Majesty's at the start, Big George is driving the car along, and it plays the Bond theme right away, so you know that gives it a real Bond feel. You first notice him and it's a different guy. So it's not Sean Connery. That's yeah. what's going on there. It's five but films with Connery at this point. You know? It is. I, it's, everyone was really, um, had really grown to love him and thought, who's this new guy who's never acted before? Um, but, the, you know, the Bond theme plays a lot in that film, you know, um, similar sounding to the first five. And I think you need that to properly introduce a Bond actor. It's the same as how I, one of the reasons I felt Timothy Dalton um, and Roger Moore and Pierce as well, they you just quickly took to them as Bond because they actually played the Bond theme. That's part of the fabric of being Bond. You know, if you're if you're like Mister Cinema Watcher, that's what makes Bond Bond. Although I th- I, th- I think they should have done that with Daniel Craig. Like they they hid from that, which I didn't really like in Casino Royale. They they should have embraced more the fact that he was Bond and you know used the theme a bit more. I would say. I wonder they tried to really re. It was a reboot almost, wasn't it? Those films yeah. in the sense they weren't completely making it clear if the other films had even taken place. It's almost like these yeah. films were their own. I think these were their own canon almost, so they just restarted. Yeah. And with that little, um, especially in Casino Royale, uh, um, where they they really toned it down. I think they got rid of a lot of the gadgets and sort of all the the, the flamboyance of say the Roger Moore and Pierce era and stuff like that. And it was kind of a much more gritty affair. Yeah. And both that that meant changing things up. But yeah, it doesn't feel quite the same. If you're really from a Bond enthusiast, you kind of want those hooks of what made Bond so great before. Uh, well, we're obviously close. To, to, we're, we're only ha- we're half an hour in and we're still in the first era. So we'll try and rattle through this. Uh, well, one more uh, Diamonds Are Forever then for the the Connery phase before we take a break to let some cold air into this very hot stuffy room. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever then. What's your thoughts on that? Because I know you're, you're, you've, you have previously said on record that this is your least favourite film in the Bond the franchise. least favourite Bond film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the Bond franchise. Uh, from One a theme, of my least favourite films. From a, from a theme point of view, I actually quite like it. I think it's all right. I it's think all it, right. It's not, I mean, for me, you were saying about You Only Love Twice not being particularly memorable. I feel that with Diamonds Are Forever. But again, if it, it, the kind of light-hearted nature of that film, which we will get to in due course, it fits in with that vibe. And there's certain annoyances about that film, which I think feed into the song too. There's this, it's a really kind of camp-sounding bass line a couple of times. goes, 
boom, 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 before, <laughs> before the second third verse. And it's so kind of... You know, what, just what annoys me is, is the film takes... When I say camp, it should have been a very hard-hitting action film, Bond getting vengeance for his wife getting murdered by Blofeld. But it's a, it's a very kind of camp and silly slapstick comedy feel to it after getting these great thrills mm, before and that you yeah. know, that kind of summed up to me you know it just doesn't sit well with me for some yeah reason. I, I can see your point i think the reason then that i don't have such a, a negative view on my from from when i was a kid watching it essentially i watched them out of sequence i didn't know what film happened when and what was the you know how it all worked so to me it was it was no different from moonraker and you know uh, and it could have just been any. It didn't really the tone thing. I didn't pick up on stuff like that. I just wanted to see action and stuff like that. So that's why it didn't bother me. I reckon now when we go through this project and we come to that, that will stick out a bit more. So yeah, not the biggest fan of the theme. Um, I think that's probably we've summed up those first seven films. Then, um, we're gonna now take a quick break and come back hopefully uh, a little cooler and with having listened to the Roger Moore era uh, theme songs back in a moment and we're back after listening to more Bond themes We've now indulged in the Roger Moore era film soundtracks. Seven films. Uh, we'll kickstart, of course, with the inaugural Roger Moore film, Live and Let Die. Paul McCartney, and was, it, was it Wings or was it Paul McCartney and Wings? Is that how it goes? I think it's gen- generally it's, it's Wings. I've heard them described as Paul McCartney and Wings. Paul McCartney mm-hmm. was obviously a big star. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't fame. sure if it was Noel Gallagher and the High Flying Birds thing where they have his name in the, in the band. Depends who he asks, yeah. doesn't it? But anyways, Paul McCartney, we'll call it just for the sake of it. Um, you know, to me, that's that's one of the classics. I, I remember watching that film and that one was always one that I loved, that theme. Again, so different from everything we just listened to prior. Isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't feel. It's the first, maybe the first proper rock and roll Bond, mm-hmm. and it's yes, yeah, it's, it's easily one of the most memorable for me. Certainly, certainly for me, it had a big impact on me as a kid, and and it was maybe important that this new era of Bond with the George Lazenby um thing turned out to be an experiment, just one film. This was a, a new Bond, which you know, hopefully, a completely new era, nineteen seventies again, you know, new era. And the throughout the film as well, there's quite a jazzy vibe to the music there. And I do love the the fact that the Love and Light Die theme gets repeated throughout the film in different variations of it. And it's very different. And that's what John Barry was away. The guy called George Martin did the score. And yeah, it's dotted throughout the film. And it's got a slightly different feel, but it works really well for me. Was this the film that you said someone sings the film? Was that another film? Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lady and Bond goes into the, the Felt of Soul bar in Louisiana for the second time. There's a, there's a lady on stage singing the theme song, That's Eyeballing pretty, Bond. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, there's maybe one or two. I think that and From Russia With Lovers, think of this the other day, are mm. the only Bond films where the, the song actually gets sung yeah. by someone in the film. I think that film, Live and Let Die, is one of the catchiest Bond themes. To me, that's one that uh, 
I've, you know, I've had stuck in my head, you know, days after hearing it and things like that. It's just one of those just riffs. It's a very Paul McCartney thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of Wings as well, so I'm probably quite biased and just, you know, rock and roll in general. But yes, yeah. uh, I think the Bond film needed that. It needed reinvigorated because there was a slight dip in the quality from the from You Only Live Twice, I think, up to Diamonds Are Forever. And, and then, you know, that did reflect, I think, in some of the, you know, the box office receipts and they needed to reinvigorate it a bit. You spoke earlier off air about Connery and how Diamonds Are Forever was arguably, he wasn't quite at the same level as he was maybe in those earlier films. He was more there for the money and things like that and wasn't completely giving it his all. And it does that reinvigoration with with Moore is probably what that you know the franchise needed, and the the tonal shift though that Diamonds Are Forever started is kind of how what led into Moore's different tone, the, the era that, that that Moore introduced those films yeah. anyway, not Moore specifically, but because the the more the campy, more light hearted a wee bit yeah. more. Yeah. It started. It really did start with Diamonds Are Forever. A lot of people believe it started with Love and Let it Die. It, it really started with Diamonds Are Forever. But Roger Moore intentionally created a different type of Bond, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And and to many, you know, their favourite is this. There's no correct answer, I don't think, on it. I think it's just another interpretation of what Bond can be. Everyone will have a certain preference. Um, but there's no arc, there's no arguing against the fact that Moore's version is also just as equally iconic um he did seven films of course you know the longest, the longest seven yeah. bond um which is you know there's something to be said for that so we'll move on from living like die second film up the spy man, who man with the golden gun oh it was the man with the golden gun for some reason i always thought it was the spy who loved me that was man, okay we'll go with you yeah. you know your stuff the man the man with the golden gun now i really i really like this one just hearing this for the yeah. first time in a while um this felt, I said to you, this felt like a Bond theme. Like, yeah, it's quite rock and roll. And the, and Alice Cooper actually submitted, uh, recorded a, a, his own version of Man with the Golden Gun, which didn't get used, which is actually a good song in its own right. It just maybe didn't fit the film as much. And there's, you know, there's other um, instant... Apparently that's kind of what started happening. A lot of well-known artists were recording... Um, there are versions of Bond songs to feature in the film. A lot of them are great songs and didn't get used. And there was even there was a Johnny Cash version of Thunderball. It was good Johnny Cash song. Maybe not so much a a good Bond song. I would love to have heard that. Yeah, sure. but Man of the Golden Gun, the one that got used. Um, again, it's more of a kind of rock and roll balls out one. But yeah, it's one of the most memorable Bond themes for me. He's died throughout the film, which I love, which makes the film what it is. Lulu, um, from Deniston, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, you know, in Glasgow. I know. Um, and then I think Sheena Easton was from Glasgow as well. For your eyes only. That that's probably. I was thinking cool. that anytime I'm in Deniston, I think this is where Lulu's <laughs> from. James Bond singer. That's a, that's kind of cool. Like, uh, did um, gar- was it garbage? Did they not do one? Uh, they garbage are Scottish, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I don't know if they're from Glasgow. They did to the world's not enough. Yeah. I'm sure I don't know if we're we're in Scotland then, but that's, oh, that's yeah. another one. So Scottish. certainly the roots. Bond Daft there. podcast. Another reason wasn't it? we thought at least we've got the kind of Scottish connection and Sean Connery. And that so there's another yeah little yep. nugget. We're we're, we're one step away from being Bond ourselves, aren't we? Really, let's face it. You know, we 
I live and eat and breathe Bond. And I just watch Bond. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so let's uh let's let's move on to the third of Moore's films then. That would be this time The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm. And th- th- I think again they really tried to reinvigorate the franchise with this, maybe because I think the Man and the Golden Gun didn't do as well as they thought. Which is weird because I like that film. It's been a while since I watched it, but from my memories, I enjoyed that film. Yeah. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me, you know, yeah, um, really at the heart of his the camp sort of stuff. I think more so even than Live and Let Die and things like that. The soundtrack, um, yeah, it was okay. I didn't didn't hit me the same way maybe that. The man with the golden get uh, gun did. What's your you you commented this is one of your favorites, didn't you? The song Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a lighter one. It, I don't know. It just um, connects with me somehow. And and it was quite a kind of light-hearted song. But the the actual score throughout the film, there was it had a lot of kind of electronic and more kind of seventies music, which worked really well with Bond and his more modern car though to spree. And what I like, you see, this has started Goldeneye as well, Steve. Um, what preceded the title sequence is Bond skiing off the edge of the mountain. Sometimes si- you don't always need music in action sequences. Sometimes silence works best. It's silent. You see him just falling and falling oh, yeah. slowly. And then the Bond theme starts. And then the song kicks in. And you see that at the start of Goldeneye when he jumps off the dam. Just mm-hmm. silence mm-hmm. and you just hear the fresh airs. Mm-hmm. And- I know when um, we're getting to the soundtracks a bit as well, but no, yeah, no, I'm serious. Song, yeah, I mean, even here on having the music, nobody cut does out. it better. Um, and that was by oh, our names just totally escaped me. I know this one, but it's uh, it's you hear it on a lot of just general radio stations, smooth radio and stuff. It's a it's a real hit. It doesn't. I oh, can't it'll come back to me. Yeah, it'll come back. To me. I could pull up Wikipedia and we could pretend that yeah. uh, you've just remembered it. Um, the fourth. The fourth film then, Moonraker. An old Shirley makes a return here, doesn't she? Yeah, and a less, you know, powerful song in the sense she's not belting it out. It's a bit more lighter again. And that seems to be maybe the tone that the, the, the Moore films seem to have taken. They kind of, they're not, uh, there's a wee bit of the mysteries gone. I, 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 I'm saying that from the point of view of watching those title sequences. Now, we were watching them back to back. And honestly, you could just think they're the same Bond we're just rewatching. Um, There's a YouTube of... video. People do Bond marathons and try and watch every Bond film in about three days, back to back. I was yeah, watching one. The Empire team did it's that. Mental, Two of them did it, and they watched 20 films back to back. And they were rating them as well, and Our Majesty's Secret Service was one of the top rated. Mm, does it? I think a lot of Bond enthusiasts love that film. Yeah. I think it, with the casual audience, maybe. I'm not sure if it's the same. Um, but. True. Those title sequences, god damn. I mean, it's like I was saying how is there a meeting that takes place where, you know, the graphic designers come sort of argue about what they're going to put in those title sequences and it's kind of like it's just a white board that says, so women, naked, silhouetted, the odd gun barrel, maybe a water sequence. Yeah, Morris Binder, who, you know, again, was doing designing all these titles. He liked his naked women doing like gymnastics cartwheels and stuff and we saw this thing didn't we roger moon himself there's just about all his films there's a an image <laughs> of him you know his face which you didn't get that with sean connery yeah kind of different yeah the first time it happens it's kind of like he's he's close up of his eyes and things like that and he's then turning away and it's all very dramatic 
by the fifth film or whatever. It's just a, a cardboard cutout, and he's uh, he's not even moving. It's just like they're just kind of going, you just stick him in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a wee bit lazy. <laughs> yeah. That was about by Octopussy. So, yeah, we're on to now what? Moonraker? Yeah. And Mo- so that was Shirley Bassey doing her third Bond theme. Maybe it's a bit more mellow compared to her earlier efforts, mm-hmm. wasn't it? This is Moonraker? Is? Yeah, Moonraker. Yeah. yeah. So she does two back to back then? Oh, no, she didn't do the spy hook, and I still can't remember the lead. Oh, that's right, she did. uh, But yeah, Moonraker, then this was a bit more, yeah, it's a bit softer, isn't it? Yeah, it was okay. That's the spacey vibe of the the film, and remember in the the title sequence, it shows you like this distant shot of the Earth from outer space, Mm. which fitted. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then I suppose we can move on to his, his fifth film then, which is... For your eyes only. Moonraker's four, so we get for your eyes only. Now. For your eyes only, then. Which is 1981, first 1980s Bond film, again moving into another decade. Is this the one that in the title sequence there was like a neon <laughs> silhouette thing that was going on? I was like, oh, this looks about 80s. Is this the uh, one we thought? Maybe uh, it's the one, so Sheena Easton, uh, another mm-hmm. Scottish singer who was a, a very popular singer at the time in the charts and everything. This is the first one you actually see the singer. In the, the title sequence, you actually see an image of her. And it is maybe one of the only and times. We're, we're not really wearing any clothes either. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. In a Bond title sequence, that's insane. Oh, yeah. That's mad. That's Who would have thought, eh? I know. Um, but yeah, so... And Roger, of course, makes his appearance again. I'm sure he does. Yeah, um... Yeah, music-wise, I mean, it's kind of cool, Scottish and all that. That's theme song-wise, uh, it's all right. It's mellow, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think again, it's a bit of a recurring theme with the Moor, the Moor songs. They lack a wee bit of the. I think the first two. Yeah, start... maybe because the first two were so hard hitting and. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, "Live and Let Die" was different, but catchy as hell, and it had a, its own unique hook. Band of the Golden Gun sounded a bit more like a traditional Bond theme that wouldn't maybe have been out of place in the Connery era. And then the preceding four films have kind of been a bit softer and, in my eyes, a little forgettable. But they probably are, you know, you probably prefer them once you've listened to them a few times and, and also have seen the film to then associate with them. I'm listening to them out of context right now. But yeah, softer again and not as edgy as some of the the Connery stuff. Does that lead us with Octopussy then? Octopussy, now this is proper 80s, isn't it? In fact, no. It was the final film that was uh, very 80s, wasn't it? The Duran Duran one. Have you to oh, well, that was a view to kill. Yeah, Octopussy was 83, 85. I, th- I think it still did feel quite 80s though, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again... It was quite an orchestral one. Mm-hmm. And all, so the song wasn't called Octopussy because there's, there's certain ones aren't exact title of the film that was all time high by was that rita coolidge i think that sounds right yeah we'll need to look that up again yeah we're uh yeah forgetting this stuff it's getting late that's why um but yeah i mean again it was fine it it didn't it didn't uh strike me the same way that the certain early bond themes did but of course duran duran step up for moore's seventh film a View to a Kill, 
yeah. what's your thoughts on this one? So the, we ended the the Tsuroji era with uh, again quite a hard hitting more slightly well, it was more of a poppy one. It's in nineteen eighties written all over it, and I think it was yeah, quite a big hit for it could have been yeah it could have been like a Genesis song. I would, it could have been like Gabriel. A, yeah, you know, it could have been Phil Collins. You know, it was you know I I liked it. I thought it was yeah. quite interesting and and relatively catchy. Didn't necessarily feel like it felt like a Bond film soundtrack. Yeah, I can it, see where you're coming it from. It didn't that. feel like, like I said. Bond. I hold that one dear to my heart because you know watching a lot as a kid. But I de- so I've got a slight bias. But yeah, it's it's quite different to a lot of the others. It's very eighties. Mm, yeah, very eighties. It all I needed was the sort of that big snare drum that you get in the eighties to make it just full. Yeah. That's it. One but, of the most actually, although it was a wee bit earlier, the first eighties one for your eyes only when we get around to watching the actual film. Um, the whole soundtrack's very 1980s in that because John Barry wasn't he wasn't available so they this guy called Bill Conte an American composer and he was f- famous for at least for the Rocky films for the Karate Kid and it's quite a kind of funky soundtrack which again that when we listen to the film it's quite different so it had 1980s written over and then you get Duran Duran who it's a it's a memorable song and um Maybe a good way for Mr. Moore to bow out. Yeah, I would say so. Considering, you know, I felt from the, from the music point of view, those other ones were the last few have been less memorable. That one actually was, was fun. That was a good, fun song. And, you know, I think a lot of people, A View to a Kill is a bit of a divisive film. I don't think it's, a lot of people feel that maybe it was a film too far for Moore. Like really pushing the boundaries of what, you know, a man in his fifties should be doing with Bond if he was. I'm sure he was in his fifties at that point. But yeah, that's uh, that's the Roger Moore era closed off. Two more eras to cover. We're gonna now quickly take another break and listen to the two Dal- uh, Dalton films as well as Brosnan's uh, film soundtracks. Um, these are a bit more colourful. Um, we're getting vague. back to a more grittier mm. 007 yeah, way yeah. from the yeah we're, we're on the we're Roger hitting, we're ended we're... with him in the shower with a young lady and so in quite a light-hearted note so we're getting to more serious stuff with with timmy d in the living daylights yep yep all right then uh, on that note we'll be back shortly bye-bye Hi guys, just a quick heads up on the next part of this podcast. I'm going to explain that we are cutting this um, episode into two parts because it mostly we went on for a lot longer than we had uh, initially planned for. But also the uh, podcast had to stop uh, because due to some noises from the upstairs room and how late it was and Gordon hitting the giggles, we decided to uh, postpone the the rest of the podcast. However, I'm going to leave a section, which is when we cover the Living Daylights and the beginning of License to Kill. What you'll notice when we discuss License to Kill, however, is Gordon beginning to lose it. <laughs> and I thought I would actually leave it just because of it's actually quite funny to hear him really struggling to to get through without laughing. Um, I yeah. So uh, this the rest of this will then continue into the part two. Cheers. Bye-bye. And we're back again. 
You're still here. I thought I thought you'd disappeared to watch Formula One. I will, I'm tempted. Well, it's not on yet. It'll be on tomorrow during the uh, the wedding, the qualifying. Just keep training to quit things just to go and watch Formula One. I know it's uh, it's important, but uh, I weighed it up. You know, tomorrow being the wedding, qualifying, I've made the right decision. I'll see you when the I'll, once the qualifying's over. I'll, I'll you'll just come, come back. back. Yeah, I'll come back to the wedding. Yeah, uh, you'll yeah. be pretty drunk by that time. I, I imagine so. I imagine so. Um, now, let's. Uh, there's a topic at hand. We are midway through our Bond music marathon. We've now watched the Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan era film soundtracks, and I feel like we need to recover. Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like we need to recover a little from that last one. <laughs> We'll we'll come to it. Yeah, die another day. But uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, okay, you, let... you had your hands up to your face. Yeah. Oh my god. Your eyes. Uh, we'll we'll come to it. Let's start with Timothy Dalton's uh, two films, Living Daylights. Then, can you remember anything? Or does Dying All Day erase everything that's preceded? <laughs> it's just deleted the memory yeah. shock. Oh, man. Jesus. Uh, Living Daylights. So, two years after Roger Moore hung up his wolfer, we've got Timothy Dalton, Living Daylights by AHA, famous for Take On Me. Yeah, um, another it's another real nineteen eighties sounding song, yeah, isn't it? Incredible eighties, uh, maybe even so, more so than the Duran Duran one. Uh, it felt like the, the high, the high snare was in there. Yeah, it was okay. I, I, I wouldn't say blew me away or anything like that. It wasn't the most yeah. catchy or anything like I'd that. I'd agree. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was serviceable. Um, did you feel it fitted? I mean, the, the very first few notes felt. Because the f- Middle Eastern a little, and that film is set kind of. I feel I if, if my memory serves me correct. I never, I never really felt that. I just felt it was. Oh, it kind of changed up, but I'm sure it was the opening note. 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, making a face because uh, I realise it's one o'clock in the morning, and our voices might be travelling in this ho- hotel, and there's. Where I think we've I think we've got Spectre on our case. Yeah, I, I can hear noises upstairs. I mean, it's just people walking, but maybe our our voices are are traveling. Um. Okay. So yeah, Living Daylights is uh serviceable. We'll call it. Yeah. It's not uh, not blows away. License to Kill. Then <laughs> you're scared to talk now. <laughs> Hit the giggles. <laughs> License to kill. And what we we're talking about was uh, it's a very dark film. License to kill. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start again. Do that. <laughs> the juxtaposition in License to Kill is one of the things that maybe doesn't quite sit, quite fit, like. We've spoken about how License to Kill is quite a, it's the only 15 rated film. It's quite a dark film, a bit more edgy. But the f- soundtrack is a bit lighter, a bit softer, uh, upbeat maybe. I mean, you said the film starts that way and then the soundtrack would naturally follow that. So does that make sense? And only after that does the film start becoming a bit more yeah. shocking. Because the, the pre-titles is, you know, 
kind of light-hearted the wedding. <laughs> so the the pre-titles, um, you know, it's quite light-hearted. You know, the wedding and everything. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It just it gives it's to me it's like an interlude in the middle of a really dark film, giving reminding you it's Bond and bringing it back down to earth somewhat. And it gets pretty immediately as soon as that ends, it gets pretty gritty. And it's the first, so the first the the pre-title sequence, and then you've got the the song kicking in. It feels very much like a traditional Bond film <laughs> always. And uh, <laughs> maybe we're gonna have to stop. I think. I feel like we're, I feel paranoid. Here. That's about the uh, the average. Yeah, let's say that's about right. Testicles one two three. <laughs> oh, right. welcome to the big podcast. But if you record this, I may have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So mine would that discourage you? Some just... future podcasts. If you were going to kill me, yes. How's that? Mr. Barry, how's that? Is that? That's the so I'm really, really close to it, so the, my mouth's almost touching the sock. Did Tick Gordon tell me about Diamonds Are Forever? It's a, a pile of pap. And don't ever ask me about Diamonds Are Forever, because I hate it. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I don't hate it. I mean, like I was saying the walk along, I, there is certain good aspects to it. Is is the worst of the Bond films? The worst, the worst, the worst, the worst. <laughs> okay, now tell me about Your Majesty's Secret Service. On Your Majesty's Secret Service, it seems to these it's aged quite well. A lot of people hold it in very high regard now. In terms of all the Bond films, it seems to be a real favourite amongst fans, and I've always liked it. Bond with his kilt. Yep. I'll need to find out what tartan, because there won't have been a Bond tartan. Let me think. Um, who were his parents? I wonder who they were descended from. Bond's a very English name, not a Scottish name. No, it's meant to be a boring name. They chose Bond as a mo- it, because it was meant to be boring. It sounded very... I wanted a flat, whatever name he said, Ian Fleming. Back in the day... Right. Right now, Gordon, tell me about Die Another Day. <laughs> I was about to do the tee laugh there. <laughs> That's tee in the train. I was thinking of Love and Light Die. What film did you ask me about again? Uh, we'll go Die Another Day. Die Another Day. Yeah, I, I like the beginning of Die Another Day. I like him being in prison. It's a completely new angle, which... Uh, I really dig the first, um, the pre-title sequence and the scene when he's in prison and then seeing him having to shave off his, his big beard and just go back to being Bond again. I quite like, and he looks in the mirror and puts on his suit and, you know. Yep. I think this is much better. Yeah. I think uh, that's a more comfortable piece. 